to the go. Hadabadaba. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to I Am Tired as Shit of Work. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, welcome back to Being an Essential Worker is Awful. That shit's exhausting, and we're probably not going to get... Hazard pay? Hazard pay. And we don't get paid nearly enough. We're just above minimum wage. Yay. So before you call me a smartass for telling you that we are curbside... Stop being a dumbass. Stop ass. being a dumbass. <laughs> Don't call me a smartass and stop being a dumbass. Just be human in this time period, please. Ugh. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Fast Pass, the history podcast in close to 30 minutes or less. As always, I'm Megan. I'm Jason. And originally, I had planned a different topic for today's episode, but I was reading an article the other day about this, and I haven't been able to get it out of my head. With the world the way it is right now, I wanted to wait on this one, but I feel like this is a great example of history repeating itself in the moment. So today we will be discussing the flu pandemic of 1918, and I will be relating it to our current situation with COVID. As with every episode I do, it is my hope that we can learn from the past, but use it to make the right decisions in the future. We actually have the capability to change the course of the present by learning from the past now. So without further ado, the pandemic of 1918. Now, there's been a lot of scholarship about this as of late, because obviously we are going through another worldwide pandemic at the moment. But most of it focuses on one specific piece of the pandemic to make its point for the sake of the article. Here at FastPass, we're going to break the whole damn thing down. So, scholars argue about the origin of the strain of H1N1 or the flu. But it is a fact that it spread around the world from 1918 to 1919. The old thinking was that it started in Spain during World War I because it was first found in military personnel in the United States in the spring of 1918. And that's why we named it the Spanish Flu. But as we mentioned, that is no longer fact, just a theory. In fact, some historians believe it actually originated in Kansas when the disease jumped from an infected pig to a human. This is backed by the fact that the disease was first caught in Kansas, but again, nobody knows for sure. This is similar to COVID. While in the beginning we thought it began in China, recent scholarship suggests it may have started in Europe, but has first been detected in China. Still, nobody is certain on its origins either. Now, this began while we were fighting the war in Europe, and it is estimated that half the people who died in the war actually died from the flu, not from, you know, being in war. Mm. Actually, the flu infected one-fifth, and I've read scholarship that says even one-third, of the global population, killing an estimated 50 million to 100 million people worldwide. Wow. And around 675,000 people in the United States alone. If you want some context to what that number is for the United States. It was more people than we lost in World War I. In fact, it was 10 times the amount of people we lost in World War I. Globally, more people died in one year of this than in four years of the bubonic plague. Which killed one-third of Europe, by the way. So... Wow! <laughs> so what is the flu, and how did it kill so fast? Well, according to the CDC, which, not that I should have to say this, but it is, in fact, a very credible source... Quote, influenza, the flu, is a contagious respiratory illness caused by influenza viruses. It can cause mild to severe illness. Serious outcomes of flu infection can result in hospitalization or death. Some people, such as older people, young children, and people with certain health conditions, are at high risk for serious flu complications. There are two main types of influenza flu viruses, type A and B. The influenza A and B viruses that are routinely spread in humans, human influenza viruses, are responsible for the seasonal flu epidemics each year. Yeah, it is sort of uh, similar to COVID in that 
It is a respiratory illness that is highly contagious. While we are still learning symptoms of COVID, we'll leave it out of this episode. The difference between COVID and H1N1 of uh, 1918 is the infectability level. COVID is 10 times more infectious than the flu. Now, before we get to statistics, numbers, and facts, let's first humanize what we are about to talk about. In my research for this episode, I watched a documentary, an older one, but it started with a story about a young couple in England who had known each other for about eight weeks. They fell in love and decided to get married. So they did. Then the Spanish flu hit and tore that family, that new family, apart. The husband died. The wife only had their wedding photo together. So since the flu happened so quickly after their marriage. So she kept that picture by her bed for the rest of her life. Now imagine that with 50 to 100 million other people. Each one of these people had a family, had loved ones, had a life. So often when any huge world event happens, it's we lose the people to the numbers. We hear 60,000 and think, oh, that's a good number. But each one of those 60,000 had a life. They had dreams. They had people. Remember that as we hear about the rising numbers of COVID. Now, there are two waves of the 1918 pandemic. The first one in the United States was mild and received little attention because of the political climate of the time. Woodrow Wilson made his 14 points speech. The war was going on. The flu was the last thing on people's minds. It began to become a problem in March of 1918. Ford sent thousands of workers home who had the flu. In that same month, 18 severely ill flu patients had been reported in Kansas. A mill town in South Carolina was swamped with severe cases as well. And 500 to 1,900 prisoners came down with the flu in San Quentin, California. Around the world, countries were coming up with similar cases. In June, deaths from the flu rose in England and Wales. The first cases in Germany showed up in April. Of course, with the war going on, it spread like wildfire. The trenches were dirty, cramped, and a perfect breeding ground for the disease. Europe paid more attention to it during that summer, where it, in the first three weeks of July, 700 people had died from the flu in London. We'll mention here how recording flu deaths was hard. Scholars have gone back and assumed that anyone who died from pneumonia actually died of this disease. So numbers could have been much higher. Yeah, it wasn't, the flu wasn't something that was concrete back then. It happened, but... Mm -hmm. They didn't quite know how to, like, diagnose you with the flu. Yeah. So if you die from the flu back then, they pretty much put in a death certificate. Pneumonia. Pneumonia until they figured out, oh, oh shit, yeah. this is the flu. So while this was happening, people were still traveling. It was brought to Russia, Africa, India, China, and more. In the four months after it had been spotted in the United States, it had spread all across the globe. While the first wave in the United States was mild, it was spreading quickly everywhere else. The U.S. Army even boasted that the disease mortality was almost two-thirds lower than traditional diseases. But in 1918, the virus had mutated and into something even more deadly. Now, when the 1918 flu really hit in the second wave, doctors were unsure how to treat it or even what caused it. There were no vaccines. The first flu vaccine was actually produced in 1940, so that's still 20-plus years away from this outbreak. Let's couple that with the hard facts that World War I had left parts of America with a doctor shortage, as they had been shipped overseas to help with the war efforts. And many healthcare professionals actually came down with the flu themselves. The virus was known to affect people who were aged 20 to 40, most, which was unusual for the flu. 
And this was a type of flu that could kill someone in as little as 12 hours. Hospitals became so inundated with patients that they turned schools, private homes, and other buildings into makeshift hospitals. Quarantine was imposed, a mask order was law, and businesses were shut down to slow the speed of this disease. Now, while many died from just the flu, there was also another culprit, aspirin. See, just like doctors started prescribing hydroxy... Hydroxychloroquine? That thing. Uh, for COVID, without knowing its effects, doctors in 1918 did the same with aspirin. They would often prescribe up to 30 grams per day, a dose that we now know to be toxic. Quote, symptoms of aspirin poisoning include hyperventilation and pulmonary edema, or the buildup of fluid in the lungs. And it's now believed that many of the October 1918 deaths were actually caused or hastened by aspirin poisoning. This was a pandemic that took its toll on society, as COVID has done in current days. The Spanish flu wiped out entire families, made widows and orphans. Funeral homes were overwhelmed with the amount of bodies piling up. Some families even had to resort to digging their own graves for their loved ones. Obviously, it also took a toll on the economy as well. Businesses had to shut down because people were sick and continuing to get sick. It got to the point that even mail delivery and garbage services were suspended. In some places, there weren't enough healthy people to harvest the crops that were growing. Now, although the flu was tearing through the world, people still protested, much like we see today. Stay-at-home ordinances and mask laws. In San Francisco, there was even an anti-mask league. Now, San Francisco had a late start to trying to contain the pandemic, and real measures didn't take place until October of that year, which we now know it was spotted first in March. But they were met with resistance when they did. The people of San Francisco started to leave their masks at home, and even with police fining people 5 to $10 for not wearing one, which was a hefty fee back then, people continued to protest. Now, because some people were following the laws set down to protect people, by early November, they were starting to see an improvement, so they opened back up parts of the economy. Boxing matches and movie theaters opened back up, and many people, including the mayor, were caught not wearing masks. By December of that year, public health warned that they need to put masks back on or face another outbreak. But they made the law optional. So 90% of people didn't wear a mask. On January 17th alone, there was a reported 700 cases on just that one day. And San Francisco wasn't an isolated incident. Many states and cities either responded too slow or not strictly enough. A parade set in Philadelphia at the Liberty Loan Parade, it happened during the early stages of the outbreak and it wasn't canceled, and cases skyrocketed because of this. I mean, and is this not eerie? Quote, Dr. Wilmer Krusen, Director of Public Health and Charities for the city, insisted mounting fatalities was not the, quote, Spanish flu, but rather just the normal flu. Wow. Echoes things that have been said by our own president. Hmm. And of course, once restrictions were relaxed by the end of 1918, a second wave came and cases skyrocketed yet again. I mean, think about it. All in all, 675,000 people lost their lives because of this flu. And the only reason it ended in 1919 was that so many people had been exposed to it that they had developed blanket immunity to the virus, something that is not going to happen with COVID. So let's just break down the numbers in another way so we can all understand how devastating this actually was. 675,000 Americans died to the 1918 flu, right? That is more than all the people who died in World War I, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Iraq, and Afghanistan. All of those wars combined gets us to 637,000 people. 
when the flu took out 675,000. 1918, like I said, was the perfect storm for breeding ground of this pandemic. There were so many soldiers cramped in those small spaces that the virus could easily spread from one person to another and bring it home. It happened while we were at war in cramped trenches, of course. And it happened for a variety of reasons, but still it happened, and it's clear that our response then was not good enough. I mean, not just the United States, but all over the globe. Estimates of global death range from 50 to 100 million, million people gone. Now, before I get political, which I will. Hello, people. This is uh, Jason hopping in to let you know that it is about to get political. So if you don't feel like listening to political, you can end the episode here. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you in the next one. But if you feel like getting political, by all means, continue listening because it's going to get political. Here we go. Let's relate COVID to the Spanish flu. As we mentioned before, its origins are unknown and will probably remain unknown. They're both respiratory illnesses, although H1N1 was the flu and COVID is not the flu. They're both wildly infectious and have infected millions. We aren't sure just how many people have been infected with COVID because of inadequate testing, at least in the United States. The amount of deaths overwhelmed hospitals and funeral homes. The amount of cases overwhelmed hospitals. Businesses had to shut down to keep people safe. There were stay-at-home orders. There were mask orders. Nobody listened. A second wave came and it was far deadlier than the first. Look, I am speaking to the world here. This is one of those opportunities that we have to change the course of history. Typically when I write these episodes, it's too late. We just have to learn for the next time, but this time we're in the next time. History is repeating itself right before our eyes, but as always, we are too ignorant to see it. Protesting stay-at-home orders already happened. Protesting masks already happened. And we can literally see the cause and effect of those things. People died. People fucking died. Over half a million people died in just the United States. And if that doesn't concern you, I don't know what to say. I know we're all scared. The life we knew was forcibly ripped from us because of this virus, and it's okay to be angry and frustrated and upset. I know I am. But the correct way to act is not by acting out. No state wants their economy to completely halt. No country wants that either. Mayors, governors, and Fauci, because Trump has done literally nothing, are all putting these suggestions on us to stop 1918 from happening again. They are not doing this to infringe upon our civil liberties. And honestly, if you think that, I truly wonder what literature and information you have been consuming. Now, I know I shouldn't get political, but I feel like I have to at this point. Trump has been lying since he got into office, but no lies have been more dangerous than his about COVID. He lied about saying it was just the flu. He lied about having adequate testing. He lied about how well we are handling it. He lied about not knowing about it until March or February. He lies every day about us getting better. We aren't. What is more dangerous is his refusal to listen to anyone and continue to spew incorrect information that some people take as fact. That is the most dangerous thing. He is spreading misinformation that harms the people he governs. I have had so many people literally regurgitate his lies and that is so harmful. COVID won't just disappear like the Spanish flu. It doesn't have, we don't have that kind of blanket immunity and you can get reinfected with it. COVID has killed many people faster than they killed in the Spanish flu. 
at this point. We all have the ability to literally change history by wearing masks, practicing social distancing, and shutting the fuck up. People are not following these rules. They will literally get other people killed. This isn't a joke. This wasn't a joke in 1918, and this isn't a joke today. So we need to all take it fucking seriously. And the rest is today. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. It's a little heavy, but it fucking needs to be. Get your shit straight, because you're not holding just your life in your hand. You're holding the lives of your family, your friends. And unless you have names that you're willing to give up, don't fucking force people that you don't know to put their own lives on the line, okay? If you would like to request future episodes from us, you can email us at fastpasspodcast at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at fastpast1. DM us there or email us. And if you want the sources, I have so many sources for this episode. Mm -hmm. You can do the same. You can email us or DM us on Twitter and we will get back to you with the sources cited in Chicago style format. Yeah, yeah. And until next time, stay safe. Wash your hands. And bye bye. -bye. Wear your fucking mask too, idiot.